0: <laughs> Tom, is it true that you gave Actual World a 5-star rating in your review on pitchfork.com?
1: I don't know what any of those words means. Oh, let me come see. On, what is pitchfork.com? Tom, you don't know
0: what pitchfork.com is. It's the most hipster website that you could i mean at least it used to be i don't know maybe it's different but this is like it's definitely a site that probably you would have made
1: okay i'm going to the front page and i see a big picture of grimes so okay that tells me all i need to know about it about what um oh grimes grimes you don't know who grimes is no okay (laughs) well that's how indie she is i guess that you don't even know who she is she happens to be elon musk's uh current girlfriend which is another reason that she's uh, sort of become infamous.
0: You, you, you a big fan of Elon Musk? Uh,
1: not really, but I'm always uh, <laughs> actually the opposite. But yeah, I, I'm always interested in the the giant cult of personality that follows him around the internet.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's get into some boxing. It's been a while, um, so we got to get right back into things, and we're going to lead this off with a conversation about Miguel Burchelt and Mickey Roman. Now, the fight itself is not interesting whatsoever. You have a guy who in Mickey Roman who's basically a career journeyman who put together a few wins and somehow has found himself in position. I mean, really, he's put himself in this position by beating up a, a clearly faded Orlando Salido. But... Roman got stopped by a guy that Burchell clearly, like, just destroyed. So, obviously, the only reason why you, you, you could say, well, maybe this fight's going to be interesting is because it will be violent. Okay? But here's what's actually interesting about this fight. This fight is probably the most important fight in boxing right now. And I know Hot what you're take. thinking. I know what you're thinking. Well, we have Canelo and Golovkin coming up, which I will get to later. We have this potential AJ, Wilder, Fury love triangle going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what all those things are? They're more of the same. You know how they play out. Not in terms of what happens in the ring. Because certainly in the ring, those fights are far more interesting, featuring far more talented fighters. But what I'm talking about and why I'm absolutely convinced that this is the most interesting fight right now in boxing and the most important is because this fight is the first fight that is going to give us a taste of the new boxing landscape this is the first fight a real free agent fight open for all bidders and hbo was sitting there in the pole position at least they thought they were you know they would aired five fights between the two fighters And they're thinking, well, we naturally will air this one too. But Eddie Hearn is there, and he's got all this money that Perform Group gave him and told him, go get us the the best fights, uh, the best fights that you can get us, the best fighting, the best. And it's like, okay, well, Burchelt versus Roman. That's clearly what it is. And then Bob Arum, who previously aired Miguel Burchelt's fight, looking for content for ESPN+, Plus with money as well, also eyeing this fight. And then you have Showtime who's looking for opponents for Javante Davis. And should they air this fight, the winner would most likely be part of a conversation called, this is the next guy for Javante Davis to fight. This fight's going to tell us who's really serious in this game. This fight's going to tell us who actually has money to spend. This fight's going to tell us who overpaid for a fight. I mean, there's so much we can get into about this. But what are your thoughts? Do you have a response? Do you agree or disagree with me? Cause I got more to go.
1: <laughs> I think your, your level of hyperbole is off base, but I agree with the general premise. I don't, I don't know. Should I get deep into it now? Or do you, do you have more you want to cover? Uh, I,
0: you can do whatever you like. Sure. I, yeah. Flexible. So
1: yeah, definitely interested to see how this will pan out. Uh, just to get into, yeah, some of, some of the details you talked about. I mean, DeZone has expressed interest. Bob Arum has expressed interest. Um, it's, it, makes sense that it's probably not going to be on hbo because they don't really have much going on at 130 i mean they've uh allowed hbo to broadcast uh, excuse me they've allowed golden boy to broadcast jezreel corrales and uh, alberto machado at 130 uh but that's not really drawing anything i mean that that's just kind of a waste of time for the network so uh miguel Burchelt uh looking for a money fight and that's definitely gervonta davis is the biggest money fight but that's the thing he you know that's also a threat to him whether you fav- favor favor burt or you favor davis it's definitely a threat to him so he has a chance potentially to make much easier money if he stays off of showtime so that 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 to me is the most interesting thing is really does he want the davis fight uh, because probably Showtime would be able to at least match whatever anyone else is willing to pay. I mean, DAZN doesn't have anyone that could be a future opponent for him, So at that point, they're basically just paying spoiler trying to get content for their network. And basically the same thing for Top Rank. I mean, Top Rank potentially could get um, Ito on, but, you know... Does anyone want that fight? I mean, that, that's not that's not a big money fight. That there's not really that much to that, unless they're going to promise him that they're going to broadcast uh, the Roman fight, then the Ito fight, and make him a little bit of an attraction, which is you know plausible as well. That's probably the second most appealing thing after the Davis fight. So, yeah, I, I, I'm definitely interested to see how it will shake out. And I mean, a related thing we'll probably get into is uh, Top Rank abandoning the purse bid for um, Murata. Versus Brant, um, sort of interesting seeing how these chess pieces are, are moving around the board. Uh, do, do you have more to say about this uh, this matchup or uh,
0: N- the matchup doesn't interest me whatsoever? Effort. The fight is 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 a terrible fight. Let me just speak is. up for
1: a second. I I totally would defend this fight. I mean, Roman, I get your point that he lost to Mira, but I, I rank him in the top ten at one thirty. That's not uh, saying Brichelt, much. I rank in the top two at worst three at 130 so yeah I, I think it will be action it's not my favorite flavor of fight I, I agree with you i'm not really a big fan of sloppy slug fests but um well, I, I think this could be a chance that Burchelt will distinguish himself, and it won't be so much of a sloppy slugfest. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to the fight when it happens. But yeah, I agree. I'm definitely more interested in the sort of what happens after that. But really, only if he ends up at Showtime and could fight at the winner could fight Davis. Because really, if it ends up at Top Rank and what they have to go with that is you know Ito, or if it ends up at zone and they have you know. No, I don't know, who's the equivalent of uh, Thomas Adamek at 130? You know, what kind of shit opponents they could possibly offer. It's Mickey Berkshire. Roman. Well, I mean, you know, after that, saying, okay, they get that one fight, but where would it lead? Uh, but yeah, yeah, actually, I guess, sorry, that went totally over my head. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, they're skipping straight to the Thomas Adamek level of opponent for this fight. I I would give Roman a little more credit than that. Again, I, I, I would rank him in the top 10 at 130 currently, but um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have another angle to take on this?
0: Well, I think it's, as far as the fight goes, this is going to be, I said, a violent affair, but it's violent in one side, it, much in the same way we just saw Burchelt completely outbox, and he has got enough power that he's basically doing concussive damage over 12 rounds to a guy like Roman, who does not have the finesse or the skill to really make a fight with Burchelt close. Um, I think the the interesting thing here is that Now, let's just assume that all networks think alike, or at least the way I'm about to lay things out. Uh, You pointed to this, and it's something that I think most people have come to the conclusion about, which is that Showtime over the past couple of years has spent a lot of time and effort and money, and this has also been stated by Steven Espinoza himself, that they picked a few divisions that they wanted to specialize in. And for the most part, it's worked out pretty well. Like, if you're a fighter who fights in one of the divisions that Showtime is big in, you really have no option. You can basically dwindle with no opponents or you can go over and try to fight their guys. And and they've understood that, hey, sometimes divisions we don't have, we got to let guys go like a Danny Jacobs. And so if we assume that everyone operates that way and... History tells us that that's probably an unsafe assumption, but let's just say it is. Um, who has or who is basically in the best position for the 130-pound fighters? Because if Burchelt's looking for like, who's going to invest in me? Who is going to give me the longest stretch where I'm going to have opponents that while every fight may not be a major fight, every fight for sure will be at least a decent fight. You know, I'm not going to have to fight those uh fights on Televisa where nobody watches and nobody cares. You know, the, um what was his name? Awaku? I think his last is what his second to last opponent was named. The fights like that where nobody cares. And um I'm curious what you think about that. Which which network sets him up for the for the longest term uh, I, I guess if he was going to sign an exclusive contract or agree to some multi-fight deal with the network, where does he get the most bang for his buck?
1: Well, I mean, I think definitely Showtime, but really the question, I mean, there. so first off, just to just add another point about Showtime we haven't mentioned yet, besides Gervonta Davis at 130, the really big appeal there as well is all of their top guys at 126 have expressed interest in moving up to 130, which is, you know, that, that's sort of an interesting thing that uh, Gervonta Davis continues to say that the only fight he wants at 130 um, is Tevin Farmer, and then after that he wants to move up at 135 because it's Showtime and the PBC universe are clearly trying to set up a situation. I mean, Leo Santa Cruz has expressed interest in going up to 130, so is Gary Russell Jr., so is Abner Mars, That, You know, all those guys that Davis you know one his frame is much better suited to 130 assuming he keep continue to make weight uh that he he'll have a st- steady stream of opponents that could really bring him up to a superstar level i mean if he is able to you know fight the, those string of opponents and beat that string of opponents i mean his star is just going to keep growing and growing and growing so um, you know, as far as where's their better ecosystem, and by the way, yeah, even better if Burchell gets in there, no question at Showtime, and you'd think that would bring in the most economic value because those are real fights, those will sell real tickets. That again gets in though, is that what he wants, or you know, is DAZN going to give him a certain amount of money and then you know put him in with shit opponents? I mean, that's basically what has come up in their initial crop of fighters. I mean, like they have. Uh, jesse vargas but he's fighting a nothing level opponent they have big baby miller but he's fighting a nothing level opponent so you get kind of not, not even really an a side you get kind of b level stars and then they're putting them in against d level competition but you know if he decides he wants to get paid to do that maybe he'll do that you know um and then top rank they kind of have you know a semi-credible you know a, a, yeah, I, I mean, I guess they could be an alternative. I mean, it really depends how real the Zone money is. I mean, it's sort of, that's the balance I see. Does he want to have, you know, a string of real fights, which I would expect would be able to pay the most money? Or again, is ESPN or DAZN really just going to give spoiler money?
0: I, I think that's what DAZN's deal would be. Um, really, it's just how do we um, just get fights? And, and it's a short-sighted approach. Um, even PBC wasn't that uh reckless at the beginning. Uh, you saw fights that made sense and they brought guys in that made sense in building uh, a lot of the divisions. Now, were they successful for for the most part, in a lot of instances, they weren't that successful in building uh you know they, they just failed to build cruiserweight. The only thing that they did that was that you can consider a success was that they showed cruiserweight fights on TV, which we had not seen before here in America... or in a very long time. Um, but I, I think as much... unless Dazen has, like, a, a godfather-level offer, th- that we can just take out the picture immediately. Um, because who are you going to get? So, like, top rank's guys are exclusive to top rank. They, are, they cannot fight off of ESPN. Okay? So all of you thinking about uh, a Terrence Crawford versus Spence fight, it ain't happening. Okay? And so, you look at top rank, and I actually think top rank is a really good option for Burchell. Um, Should they rebuild Chris Diaz? You got Mexico versus Puerto Rico. Now, Burchelt will destroy Diaz, no doubt about it. But it's a fight. You have Eric DeLeon. You have Andy Vences, two guys that top rank has spent a lot of time building up, and they're continuing to do so. You have those guys. You have a, a pretty good relationship that top rank has with um you know the other guys which includes golden boy and here's the interesting thing about golden boy that i think is critical here i'm either gonna like if i'm burchell i'm legitimately only gonna sign with whoever can get me two, one of two fights the Javante davis fight which we both agree is like the biggest fight everyone you, you're stupid if you don't think that's the biggest fight for for burchell right now but the other fight I want and I have my eye on and I'm keeping tabs on is Ryan Garcia. They're fighting in the same division. He looks on the path, on track, to be the best, uh, the best in the division. Or sorry, I take that back. Not the best I mean, in the division. I so many most people popular.
1: disagree with you right most now. Most popular. Yeah.
0: <laughs> most popular. I, I, I misspoke. Uh, Burchell's clearly the best in division, but uh, Ryan, Ryan Garcia looks like he's well, on track to at least be popular. So w- I'm keeping my eye on this guy. If I do anything, it's short term because he's got to do a he's got to make sure that he catches Garcia before Garcia hits his prime. I mean, it, if you can beat him when he's like 23 years old, and Burchell's 26, so he's 29, uh, uh Garcia's 23, like you catch him then. And it takes you to the next level. And that's assuming Burchelt can stay undefeated until then, which, as we know and we've seen over time, that it's it's not easy or, well, depends on who's promoting you. Uh, it, with Eddie Hearn, it, it, it's pretty easy to stay undefeated. Look at all of his guys that people think are good, uh, like Lewis Ritson. Um, <laughs> but I, 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 that's where I'm going. Um, how serious do you think Davis is about moving up?
1: If you ask him, he's extremely serious. Um, that's that's a whole other thing. I mean, there's n- nothing but chaos comes out of Davis's social media footprint. <laughs> um, you know, he already missed weight once. You know, he said he needs to move up, but everything is being set up for him to be at 130. You know, there's so much going on in Showtime in the next few years that they could offer him. I mean, you know, again, talking about Burcheltz, I mean, say they decided to build that up a little bit, they could have... Uh, Burchelt after the Roman fight, assuming he wins as expected, uh, fights Abner Marez. You know,
0: What, what would doesn't, you rather a have? Clear,
1: clear fight at 126. He said he wants to move up to 130. That's a very winnable fight for Burchelt. I mean, you know, it's not just putting him into a dangerous fight with Davis immediately. Uh, go so ahead.
0: What would you rather have if you're Burchelt? You sign with Showtime and you get Leo Santa Cruz moving up from Featherweight? Or would you rather sign with Top Rank and get Oscar Valdez moving up to 130?
1: Well, I don't and, think Oscar Valdez is going to move up to 130. So I, I'm sort of projecting. Well, well, who are that, the
0: people but, he's hanging around with right now? He's going to move up in weight.
1: <laughs> you're talking about his new trainer. I'm I'm sort of not getting what you're insinuating. Uh,
0: yeah, we're we're talking about his new trainer. I
1: mean, I don't know. I, I think Top Rank seems to want to fight with Carl Frampton. I I don't. Um, yeah, I'll just answer it, you know, kind of the same way that I've, I have I, I have been saying, which is Showtime has the best fights, which you would assume would bring in the most money. Top rank thus far in the ESPN deal hasn't really shown that they can really shell out for fights. The fights that they've succeeded in getting on their network have not really been big money fights. You know, they lost the Adonis Stevenson purse bid with Kvodzik. You know, they really have not uh, – you know, Artur Biev, they had said they wanted to keep him on their network. He's going to disown for his next fight. So – um It's really a question mark, like you were saying, the new landscape. Another piece um, I don't don't think you mentioned is that Top Rank has this new renegotiated ESPN deal, which has been extended to seven years and almost certainly also would include um, more money. More, license, more money in license fees for fights or you know actual money in license fees instead of just like an advertising revenue split for top rank so um that's another thing it'll be interesting to see if that actually produces results this the this new renegotiated top rank deal but yeah as of right now they haven't shown that there's really real money there so prior no. to that i would have said it's it's kind of by far the most money would be on showtime it really would just be a question if Rochelle wants to go a much easier route because you know uh, i I didn't give top rank enough credit. You know, you you were right. You called those guys out. They do have more guys at 130 that I have credit for. But in terms of the marketability of those fights, I mean, an Andy Vence's fight compared to a Leo Santa Cruz or even an Abner Maris fight, I mean, there's no comparison in terms of the level of those fights.
0: Um, But we're talking about Oscar Valdez. And and I think at some point, so you get one
1: guy who's like comparable to, you know, how many tickets did he sell for his last fight at StubHub?
0: uh it was in the rain so who knows
1: well but again he didn't sell it out i mean you're talking about you know uh some mid you know a few thousand tickets maybe five thousand at most i mean he's not a huge draw yet i i don't you know i i just okay that's the one guy who you know compare that to the combination of gary russell abner mares leo santa cruz trevante davis i mean you know um I, I just see no comparison in the quality of opposition in terms of the, the level of those fights and the money they could bring in between the two sides.
0: Well, I mean, we're way off track, but essentially this is like, this is the fight that is going to, is basically the first domino that's going to fall uh, with this whole new deal between, um, you know, or not the deal, but with everybody having money now, everybody available to spend and all this stuff. Well, this is the first fight where we're going to see who wins. Yeah, it's a good way to frame it. Yeah, it will be interesting. And and that's why I think, you know, this is something you have to keep your eyes on because, and especially because this isn't a big fight. That's what makes this so interesting is that this is like, this is a level of fight that HBO could probably afford. This is the level of fight that it looks like this is what Top Rank is aimed for. Like, if you look at all the fights that Top Rank has aired that weren't top rank fights, they're basically on like the 999 menu at Denny's. They're not going for no 1399 fights. They're going 999. They may do a 1099 if if it, if it's just to add on, you know, some bacon. But this is that level of fight. So everyone's in play right now. And obviously we know Showtime. They're they're willing to spend. And then Eddie Hearn, who knows how much money he's got. I mean, based off of who we signed, he must not have that much. <laughs> So, I mean, we can move off of this. We could talk about Oscar Valdez. He's, he's left Manny Robles, who was his trainer, who together they, um, they led Manny Robles to win a trainer of the year, although uh, that was also in part because Jesse Magdaleno uh, also did very well. But essentially, you, you've got a bunch of guys leaving Manny Robles. And if you've watched their fights, it kind of makes sense. I mean, Oscar Valdez was incapable of boxing. I mean... This guy was a standout amateur, and he's fighting like he's Mickey Ward or something. And he's leaving him for Eddie Reynoso, uh, trainer of Canelo. So where do you stand on this? Is it a good move, bad move, or not going to make a difference?
1: Yeah, I just want to, like, blather about this for one second. I mean, the whole thing is fascinating that, yeah, a few years ago he had a really hot stable – um he had got him blanking who was his guy at um jesse yeah jesse magdaleno Mm
0: -hmm.
1: uh oscar valdez then um you know you have for oscar valdez's last fight
0: yeah
1: i mean they uh also um uh michael conlon was in his camp which you know at least was considered to be a high profile thing when they're talking about you know that was always like people talk about like a hot stable like um uh Errol Spence and Jermel Charlo be training together that you know oh he has this this great stable of guys and then one by one they left and most of the explanations came from you know that he he wanted to focus on just training Oscar Valdez and it was kind of mutual that was always kind of the explanation that was given and specifically for the last fight that Oscar Valdez trained in Mexico and it's actually it's kind of interesting now that uh Valdez is going to be training with uh Canelo's trainer. Uh, in Mexico, because that had seemed to be—I I had thought that was uh, Robles that had had driven to to uh, to have the camp in Mexico. But it's interesting now; Valdez is staying in Mexico without him. Um, yeah, it's it's bizarre. I mean, I I you know one by one, his fighters have been losing and just looking very flat. I mean, Michael Conlon looked pretty flat, but I think most people blamed Michael Conlon. Uh, Jesse Magdaleno has looked bad and lost, and I've just never thought that he was that good. And Oscar Valdez some. You know, to 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 my, uh, I've been of the opinion that he he looked like he we kind of saw his ceiling his this skill uh the ceiling of his skill level. So I don't know if you blame that on on Robles or not, but it's just uh I don't I don't know. I mean, it's kind of sad. I mean, he seemed like you know there was a much better story when he was a hot up and coming trainer. I I don't know enough about what's going on behind the scenes, but I mean, if you look at the results, I mean, <laughs> yeah, his fighters have not been doing too well. So. Um, yeah, it is also very interesting now that Oscar Valdez will be with Canelo. Uh, that should give him some nice marketing b- buzz. I mean, there's no one else really well-known tra- training out of that camp, at least that I know of. I don't know if they have anyone in Mexico that I don't know about. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, it's just funny. I, we talked about this a little before we got on the air. I mean, um, <laughs> no one besides Canelo training with the Reynosos, it's always kind of considered like they're not considered really the best trainers And it's more just impressive that Canelo is showing, like, loyalty to them, if you want to give him that credit, because they're not really respected as trainers within boxing. I mean, that's maybe unfair of them to say that, but very surprised to see this. I mean, it's sort of like uh, when Robert Alcazar reappeared, when he was known really just for being a Oscar De La Hoya's trainer many, many years ago, and then suddenly he reappears. It's always it's always weird when you have one of these trainers that is not really super respected and just is associated with a famous fighter, and then, you know, someone else decides they want to join that camp. I don't know. How do you, what do you see? I mean, I'm very interested to hear your take on this. I know you're a much bigger fan of Oscar De Valdez for a long time than I am, so curious to hear just your overall take on him and if there have been problems or just, yeah, I don't know. What's your view on him?
0: Well, it's, it's a pretty simple one. I think um, I have a more interesting question uh, than just asking, uh, than just kind of talking about this. It's like, I want to know, if Oscar Valdez comes out in his next fight, and he knocks out his opponent, who gets the credit? <laughs> you know well, what I'm okay. talking about. Uh, I do. I'm going to swerve that completely. Um, I mean, it's a joke. We don't really have to. It's just, I, it was just something I was thinking about earlier. I just wanted to get that out there. Um, really, I, I think it's a good move for Valdez, but it's going to address – like, we'll see, okay? We have to see uh, his first fight. The reality of changing trainers is that you don't leave behind what caused you to lose, You take that person with you. The reality is, I don't think trainers make that much of a difference at all. Now, they may prepare you a particular way, but in the ring, you make decisions. And for some reason, Oscar Valdez has made the decision in basically his last 10 fights that rather than outbox a guy for 12 rounds, which he's not happy with doing, and it's not because he can't, he'd rather go to war. And with Valdez, it's because he is and and wants to and completely committed to putting on the type of fight that fans uh, will enjoy. And I don't have a problem with that, except, I mean, I've I've seen Robles tell him to box. I've seen Robles tell him to be, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to defend Robles a little bit and say that, you know, he's told Valdez to do the things that we at home watching. has said, Valdez needs to do X, Y, and Z. And he doesn't do it. Now, will changing out Manny Robles for Eddie Reynoso change any of that? I hope so. Now, is it a reflection on Manny Robles that he's leaving? No, I think we've already seen that um, because others have left him, then there, there's at least some agreement, like a consensus among fighters, that what Robles provides isn't for them. However, I don't think, especially because Robles' main focus was Oscar Valdez, that Valdez's decline is because of Robles I think Valdez's decline there's you know it's a it's a complicated thing but there are several things and and Manny Robles played a small role in that will the Reynosos be good for him I've always been of the opinion that they're pretty decent trainers I think they get they get criticized a little too much it's not like you know boo boy I think those (laughs) guys are a little better um, hey, but again, Boo Boy
1: is uh he's on a, a knockout streak with Pacquiao. Don't go oh, shitting on Boo One Boy. fight,
0: he's undefeated in his career as a trainer. <laughs> actually, I don't know that that's true because I know that he trained like prospects or whatever you would call them, you know, like young guys or
1: whatever. Has he? Has he been the chief second in any fight before? I don't I, know. Anyway, that's a tangent I don't want to say. Yeah, no, I think he's oh, actually trained dudes in the Philippines and stuff. Okay, okay.
0: But obviously stuff, it would be very difficult for us to track down and verify and also stuff that no one cares anyway, um, but I, I think the rainosals aren't bad. However, this is this is the catch, okay? So when a trainer gets popular because they have one fighter that previous to that fighter coming around, you had never heard of the trainer, and I'm, I'm let's take Virgil Hunter for instance, um, and then they have a fighter that gets that that you know is 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 a superstar, is supremely talented, pound for pound. The trainer gets some of that credit, but I don't think they deserve as much as they get. And they, they get this like this, uh, this reputation as like this like great trainer and everyone should go to him because he'll fix you and blah, blah, blah. And then you have things like, you know, I think, wow, I think Virgil Hunter's been good for Amir Khan or was good for Amir Khan. I don't think he was great for Birdo. I don't think he, uh, well, actually Birdo, like nothing was going to help Birdo, but he wa- certainly wasn't good for <laughs> Angulo. Certainly wasn't good for Abner maris And, you know, whoever else, I can't even remember who else might have went with Virgil. My point I'm making here is I don't think that this is going to make that big of a difference. Yeah, that I think it's more Miguel of a marketing
1: is. decision than anything else. I think we both agree on that.
0: Or he wants some more power.
1: Yeah, again, I'm going to avoid that completely. <laughs> I'm not going to fall into the trap, but... Um, we'll see. I want to touch on that for one second. I mean, that is an interesting thing. I mean, there's clearly recognition from Valdez and I think his camp as well, that, uh, if he wants to have any chance at being a real star, that he really needs to produce knockouts. And he has not been able to do that. you know, you see the same thing with, uh, uh, Zerto Ramirez. I mean, it's this thing you hear about, like top rank is largely a closed book. Like, Mm -hmm. you, I would always want to know more about their inner workings than you hear. But, you know, you hear these rumblings and one of the things you hear about is that, you know, within their their brain trust, they'll have planning meetings for fighters careers and they'll lay out, you know, a string of opponents they think they can get uh, that, you know, have good style matchups. This is the thing we always talk about how good they are with um, matchmaking. And they'll try to lay out a string of guys that are good style matchups and they'll say, you know, knock this guy out, knock this guy out, knock this guy out. We think, you know, we've we've ID'd a course here. And, you know, we'll see you rising to these levels and, you know, have you fight in these different venues. And, you know, Valdez is a guy who I think just ended up really just not being as good as anyone wanted him to be. And top rank really just by nature of having not a huge stable right now of guys who are at the world championship level is just kind of pushed him as much as they can. I mean, that was clearly – he has gone into like, he went into the Quig fight to use that as an example, you know, hell or high water. He was going to get a knockout. I mean, he felt to get to the next level of his career, he needed to get a knockout in that fight. And I mean, that could have been a career render. He took such a severe beating in that fight. I mean, you know, yeah, there's an asterisk because of Quig coming in overweight, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, that really had more to do with uh, Valdez's game plan than anything else. And, um, you know, at a certain point, I mean this this dovetails into a lot of other topics, but you know, ultimately the quality of the fighter matters. You know, top rank wanted you know if you go back a few years ago, their next generation was Magdaleno, uh, Valdez and Zerdo. And Magdaleno, if you you know, check in on that, Magdaleno lost uh Valdez got his jaw broken in his last fight and looks like he's going to get beaten by anyone at the top 5 at 130 and Zerto can not get not is not been able to knock out guys unless they're like ranked 100th in his division and he looks to be really plateauing got stung a bunch of times in his last fight fighting an absolute nothing opponent so um yeah i mean i just i 've never thought Valdez is that good. I think we 've seen the ceiling i don 't think this is really going to make that much of a difference, but you know as you 've said, if there can be some you know <laughs> mystery meet in Mexico or something, and magically his power uh his power can elevate and he can actually start to produce some knockouts i mean I think we 've seen his you know performances plateau and we 've seen his star level plateau um, i don 't think we 're really going to get that much more out of him and Again, what if he did fight Burt Schultz? I mean, I definitely wouldn't pick him to win that fight. Um, I don't think he would get blown out, but uh, I just don't see that much of a future for him.
0: Uh, Fair enough. Um, I mean, I I agree with you. His ceiling is shown um, for better or worse, I think. And uh, yeah, let's move on to Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury, a pay-per-view that is on the verge of being signed. Yeah, Um, apparently. If I were one of those, like, irresponsible um, Twitter handles that you see, uh, I'm not going to even mention them, who basically will take, (laughs) like, a a tiny fact and then tweet out confirmed stuff. Like, they are actually insiders when, really, they have no sources or anything like that. If I were one of those guys, I would tell you that this is a signed fight, done deal, book it um, late late November or early December, blah, 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 Showtime pay-per-view. Okay, um, this is a brilliant move, I think, uh, by both Wilder and Fury. Like they both deserve a, ha- a round of applause because basically Joshua is holding up the division. Now, rightfully so, he's the biggest draw in the division. He's he's the biggest name. He's got all the leverage, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. However, as Wilder just had to endure, it's not easy to get this guy in the ring with you. So what he's done is basically said, okay, well, I may not be able to get a fight with you, but I'll go to the second biggest name in the UK who also wants a fight with you and we'll fight each other. And I, I actually think the, the, the brilliance of this move is that Wilder and Fury together can do far bigger business or at least as big business. As Joshua can do fighting anyone else. There's not a single guy that Joshua can fight. Save for like Brock Lesnar. That will do bigger numbers by much. You know, maybe he crushes, or uh, not crushes, but surpasses a Wilder Fury pay-per-view by just a little bit. The time is going to hurt the UK because this will obviously air at 2 a.m. in the UK. But... They've, they've taken a move and taken the ball out of matchroom in Joshua's court, which it needed to be because nothing was going forward when Joshua and them were running things. And, and, and as we saw and how we know this is because he signed to fight Povetkin when Wilder had agreed to fight him uh, whenever they wanted. So um, what do you think of, uh, about this fight being made? <laughs> I think I like everything about
1: the fight except the actual fight. I'll just get that out of the (laughs) way up front because I I am not a believer at all in Fury's current condition, his mental state, his physical state. Um, We'll maybe learn a little bit more after this weekend, but I was not very impressed with his fight against Surf and Safari uh, a few months ago. Oh, that was a great fight
0: he's an all-time great
1: oh fantastic fantastic um yeah we got a bunch of mugging from fury we didn't get a lot of fighting you know he was he was bragging that he he kissed him and that he showed uh (laughs) you know showed the world of boxing something that we've never seen before but show stuff so yeah i mean that out of the way i love every part of it i totally agree with what you were saying that you know Joshua represents the theoretical biggest payday for all of these guys. But, you know, what we've seen from Hearn is that he's lining up a bunch of guys that he can pay, you know, in the neighborhood of $5 million or less. Like, you know, Jarrell Miller, uh, a Dillian White rematch. Um, I don't know exactly how much Povetkin's making. Someone who research, does actual research would know that. But, you know, he can pay some seven-figure dollar amount to these guys. This will represent career-high paydays uh, for most of them. Um, you know, I'm trying to think, uh, you know, I, Pavetkin might've made some decent change fight in Klitschko, but I mean, at least from as far as their current options. So I, I think there's been a signal, especially with, uh, Joshua signing up to fight on zone that he's content to fight at that level. Uh, and leave a dramatic amount of money on the table. I mean, this would be fiscal malpractice in any other industry. You know, it's like if you talk about a company that can introduce a product in a new industry, you know, they will if they're a publicly traded company because that represents huge new sources of revenue. I mean, it's crazy the amount of money was leaving on the table by not fighting the U.S. Anyway, that's that's off topic. But, yeah, I, I mean – uh Hearn has signaled that he probably is not interested in making these fights, that he's gonna, you know, just torture Wilder or Fury if they wanna fight someone else and yeah, I think he it makes sense they're him. happy to fight each other. i think some
0: people might have got the joke
1: colorful comments from deontay wilder this week on on social media but um yeah i mean it's it's great for a promotion side for fury and wilder i mean you know they both stand to make huge amounts of money i think uh fury is definitely ready for his close-up i think he's going to absolutely love being uh, the pay-per-view build-up. I mean, they're going to have a marketing budget behind them. I think this fight is big enough that, you know, places like ESPN with their new focus on boxing, even though they, you know, are you'd expect are mainly going to push top-rank stuff, they're not going to be pushing, you know, shitty top-rank ESPN cards more than this. I mean, Deontay Wilder is a guy who can create headlines. He's going to be, you know, featured on ESPN programming. Fury as well, another guy who can get generate great soundbites. Um, you know, he has the claim to the lineal title. I mean, I, I think this oh, is oh wow,
0: big deal. Well, but the point
1: is they have enough, um, they have enough going for this fight that I think it could be a real peak view. I think this could cross 200 million pay-per-view, two, excuse me, uh, 200,000 pay-per-view buys, which would not be huge, but I think it would be enough to get these guys paid. I think it will be a good promotion all leading through the fall. So, yeah, I mean, I'm all for it. I think it makes sense for both of them. I don't think either of them wants to be beholden to Hearn. Fury, huge question mark, though. I mean, we could just, we could see a mental collapse at some point leading up to the fall.
0: Do you, we could you see mean like happened, not showing but, up to the fight?
1: Oh, yeah. Or, or, you know, failing another drug test. I mean, God knows. I mean, I think that's definitely likely. I mean,
0: I mean, people forget
1: that he had the, the Klitschko rematch sign and they were all ready to go for that. And, he, you know, that was when he spiraled out of control was once that rematch was set up and Klitschko ultimately went to fight Joshua. I mean, it's kind of funny now that. Uh, Fury now is seen as being the easier option to make than Joshua. I mean, who would have thought that a few years ago? But um, yeah, with uh, the way Hearn is running uh Joshua's career. Uh, anyway, I've been going on too long. But yeah, I'm all for it. But yeah, I have to say, huge gamble if they're relying on Fury to be the reliable option.
0: When as much money is going to be at stake, um, I think you can count on him being reliable. especially Now, it's different because you brought up the rematch between him and Klitschko, that was a far different thing because he was coming off of a big fight. A guy like Fury who had never gotten money like that. And he was just wilding out, like testing positive for cocaine and stuff. <laughs> I mean, he was living life. Eating him, like that, that, that's not the case. I mean, Fury hasn't had a, like, a legitimate fight. That's the, the Serefi fight that you brought up was a joke the fight he's going to have this weekend, also a joke. I mean, Fury now is in the point where he actually needs this fight. And now Wilder also needs the fight. I mean, he wants the fight. Wilder is, I mean, he's gotten himself in a position where he almost had himself a pay-per-view fight. It was so close. And then snatched away because Alexander Povetkin was a better decision for... Anthony Joshua at the moment. And by the way, I've gone into this on the daily podcast, but I I just, if you, if you won't mind, Tom, if I, you just let me go on this little tangent right here, I'll allow it. Um, that, that, the fight is stupid. Like that, uh, the Joshua Povetkin fight is, is, is basically, um, Josh, you probably read the article, Tom, but he came out and said that, um, boxing is not about loyalty. It's about making money. These these are Anthony Joshua quotes. And so if you just take that, just take that, okay? Boxing is not about loyalty, it's about making money. That sounds like something Floyd Mayweather would say, right? Something where, <laughs> oh yeah, I make my fights, I go, and I and I fight wherever the money is. Okay, that makes sense. Well, where's the money right now? At one point in time, it was fighting David Hay. Did Joshua do that? No. At what at now where is it, fighting Wilder? Is he fighting Wilder? No. What's he doing? He's gonna go fight Alexander Povetkin because loyalty is not important in boxing, except why else would you be fighting on a brand new streaming service when you are a bona fide pay-per-view star and as we've seen in America, capable of getting over a million people to watch your fight within 24 hours. Why else would you be fighting on this stupid streaming service that hasn't even launched yet? The reason is loyalty. But that kind of hypocrisy, (laughs) that kind of doublespeak, that kind of like, we're gonna say this right now because it makes sense to the interviewer who's asking me the question in the context of the questions, But say this, when IFL puts a stupid camera in front of my face, that right there is why whether you see the details or not of what happened in the negotiations between Joshua and Wilder, you cannot sit there and say, oh, well, Wilder didn't want to want the fight. It's clear that Joshua and Matchroom had a plan and I'm not mad at them. When when Danny Garcia fought Rod Salka, I wasn't mad at that either. Because this is just business. Big moves are coming. Let's say the Brewers. Day before the trade deadline. One run game. They're they're up. They got to protect a, a, a lead. But they have decided they're trading their closer. Josh Hader. He's not coming into the game. They have to protect their business. The assets that they're getting. They, that's a product that they're giving away. You can't screw up the trade. By throwing him in, what if you risk injury? It's the same thing. So I'm not mad at them, but I also think it's incredibly hypocritical uh, that one, that he did it, but also that people take that at face value and then get mad at the other guy. It's like, no, no, no. (laughs) That's not what's happening. So anyway, that's a long rant about this whole stupid thing. Uh, But I'm I'm glad that Wilder and Fury, like, look, what were they going to do? Wilder was going to go knock out Dominic Brazil, maybe paralyze him. Um, allegedly, Tyson Fury was going to go and fight, I don't know, like, who, who was he going to fight? Some Euro guy that was relevant a a while back? My cough is starting to come back, so, uh, you got to start talking a little bit, Tom. Sure, sure. I yeah, was sick I mean, last it really week, by does. By I guys. think
1: a lot of people had the initial reaction of why would Fury take this fight? Because, you know, he seems to be in such bad shape physically, and you'd think if he's going to take a cash out bout, conventional wisdom says there's more money in the Joshua fight. And I think, you know, I think he sees what happened with Wilder that Wilder was chasing around Joshua all summer. Hearn, you know, made a big public display about it, but never made any serious efforts to get that fight signed. And yeah, I, you know, it's making more and more sense uh that fury is fighting wilder right now <laughs> i think you have convinced me that he's sufficiently broke that he, he is wanting to make a nice hefty payday right now and um you know just to add another hot quote that you left out about joshua yeah in addition to the quote about you know again this hot bizarre quote, like quote about us uh, oh no uh <laughs> this bizarre quote about the uh it's not about loyalty it's about making money even though he's leaving huge amounts of money on the plate by not trying to develop his U.S. business. I mean, he's probably fighting for roughly a quarter of the potential that he could be making if he tried to develop, uh, you know, uh, a home in Las Vegas. Um, no, this was the great quote from the interview. He said of his former relationship with Showtime and his move over to Inn, he said, it's like being in an abusive relationship. You have to make moves for the better of your life which uh
0: yeah that's (laughs) that's an apples to apples comparison right there
1: You know, showtime was paying him about uh three or four times what he deserved for fights that generated no ratings in the afternoon to help build up his u.s business to make you know an effort to try to build a a long-term relationship with him you know um (laughs) yeah uh kind of galling you know he got way overpaid for fights uh, that at least got him some ratings, and they did the, their best effort to try to build him up in the U.S. Uh, but, you know, it's always hard. If he's not willing to fight here, that's only going to bring him so much attention. Uh, and now he's going to be behind a paywall in front of, you know, that's the worst thing he could possibly do to try to develop his, his U.S. business is to fight behind a paywall in front of, you know, thousands, maybe not even tens of thousands. Of Come viewers on, don't, for don't, his
0: don't fight. Diss, uh Golden Boy's Facebook uh, show. That's a whole other conversation. Jesus Christ. We're not but, getting into. Uh, we can
1: get into it later. I, I want to touch on a
0: little.
1: Yeah. Anyway, I, I've said my piece. Go read Dan Rachel's uh, Twitter
0: line or Twitter feed or whatever they call it.
1: You know, actually, to say one more. <laughs> oh, God. I really would love to get into that, by the way, in a bit. But uh, yeah, the um, one last thing about Joshua, I mean again, just to say like I think everyone who listens to this podcast knows how much money he's leaving on the table by not fighting in the u s and trying to to you know sell tickets in Las Vegas um as opposed to just selling these these stadium shows with these uh you know super discounted tickets by comparison uh, you know this is something you see in the u s like with like local promoters there will be a promoter who will develop like kind of a draw in like Minnesota and he'll try to keep the draw there instead of trying to get them to go to New York to sign with a real promoter you know it's like it's so bizarre you're seeing with this with a guy who is you know a top five draw in the sport in financial terms, who is, you know, leaving so much money on the table. It's just, you know, Anthony Joshua's current deal makes sense to Eddie Hearn and no one else. I mean, <laughs> look, he's making eight figures for his fights. That's a huge amount of money, but he's leaving Not so much money on the table. Well, <laughs> no comment, but, you know, he's leaving still a dramatic amount of money on the table. I, it, it's uh, very strange. Anyway, I've said we, this, we've continued to spend way too much money on Wilder Joshua.
0: Hey, look uh, at Tom making these Freudian slays. Oh, we spent way too much money. Come on, man. Uh, I'll move on. I'll, I'll bail you out here. And I'll just say that um, what's your favorite Patty Barnes fight? Oh, God. Why are you asking me that question right now? uh if you get the reference that's funny um tom you should have got why i'm asking that question well i mean he's fighting on the card this weekend the frampton card
1: oh no it's
0: it's a reference to another podcast
1: okay yeah i have no idea over my head
0: (laughs) okay so top rank has they co-promote ryota murata like, I, I like how just just all of these topics today are just like, whatever. Ryota Murata. So I guess we should start going a little faster because we're approaching yeah, a yeah, topic I'll be features better features actual about it. popular Let's just fighters. Yeah. Um, Ryota Murata is scheduled for a purse bid purse bid with Rob Brent, uh, former 168-pound title challenger. Uh, I, I believe in the World Boxing Super Series, he lost to Jurgen Bramer, of all people, which really tells you uh, the level that Rob Brent fights at. Anyway, Rob Brandt is a now in mandatory position to fight for Ryota Murata's WBA regular title. And uh, th- there was a purse bid, and Rob Brandt's people won. Top Rank didn't even submit a bid. Top Rank has talked about matching Murata with Jason Quigley. Or is it the other one? Not sure. One of the Quigley uh, brothers. And so um, what... I, my, I sus- my suspicion is that Brandt's going to get step-aside money. They will not give up the title. That, That's for sure. They, that He'll get step-aside money. Murata will get that Quigley fight, and then they'll say Rob Brandt now will give you uh, uh, an opportunity, except he'll end up fighting Esquivia Falcao next year. Um, are, are there any other scenarios that might be in play here? Like Why wouldn't Top Rank want the Rob Brandt fight?
1: Yeah, I was very interested by this. So one, I'll, I think Rob Brand, Rob Brand, is a little better than you're giving credit for. I mean, he has a weird career that he, he he's, lost to Jurgen Bramer. I'm, I'm like yeah, but entertaining if you actually watch the fight, I mean, Bramer came down from 175. He had a huge fight night. Okay, wave so advantage. you're you're, you know, you're making the argument even worse. Look, if you want to call me a Rob Brandt uh apologist, fine. Uh that's fine. You know, he was not uh not good at one hundred sixty eight. That was not a good fight. He for He lost him at almost every round to to Jurgen Bramer. Well he fucked up Bremer's face. I, I, I anyway. Wait, have that, that's you that's seen sort of Jurgen
0: Bramer? Point. I don't think you could do much worse.
1: <laughs> anyway, uh I I think uh just to talk through this, I view Brant as a credible challenger of Murata at 160. I think if they viewed it as a slam dunk fight, um, they would be more than happy to take that fight. I think it's interesting on a few levels. One, this is a WBA regular uh, title, uh, which doesn't mean that much. You know, it's not the real title. I mean, this is sort of like what in, in other belts would be kind of like an interim. It's like their secondary title at 160.
0: It's like the one Trevor Bryan has? Yeah, I, I mean...
1: <laughs> it doesn't mean that much is the point but uh it's also so one doesn't hold a huge amount of value although potentially that could lead to a fight with uh Canelo or Golovkin so you know it does mean something belts are 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 you know valuable uh are always valuable and especially when you have uh pay-per-view attractions in a weight class uh but it, it is interesting though because it's a WBA belt and top rank mainly fights with the WBO so in the WBO, they, you know, it's like I, I can't claim to know what goes on behind the scenes, but they tend to get what they want. You know, their fighters get to fight for vacant WBO belts against the guys who are like number 60 in the division. Uh, the guys will mysteriously get stripped and then their guys will get to fight for the WBO belts. So it's it's interesting now with the ESPN deal that they're promoting a lot more fighters than they have at any time that I've been aware of, Uh, you know, probably ever or at least recently. And they've started to branch out into some other title belts, you know, like they have the title belts, uh, the WBC belt at 140. Uh, They have this belt uh, at 160. Um, So but you see it's it's, as they've tried to branch out, it's a little bit harder because, you know, they end up in this case with a title challenger. They don't want to fight um yeah it's it's extremely likely in my opinion that he will drop the belt i mean you've said that he will get step aside money i don't think so i mean just from hearing interviews with Brandt for a long time he was actually supposed to fight for this belt um a year ago but when murata had to have the the rematch with endam then he he was supposed to fight the winner of the first fight uh he'd already fought in eliminators um the wba actually did what they were supposed to do, which is they held him in that stance, even though he fought the fight at 168. That was not supposed to impact his standing as the mandatory for that belt, and he was allowed to keep the mandatory. So he's been waiting for this fight for a long time. So um, I definitely don't see him giving up the chance at the belt. Um, Yeah, I I think it is interesting. I mean, this is another thing, though, talking about, uh, you know, just top ranks relative, power and who will win the Burchelt purse bid. It It is notable that they didn't even try to win this offer here, you know, or just really, I mean, do they view Murata as being that vulnerable? Um, I think that's really the question. I mean, how vulnerable do they view Murata as being uh, and also how much disposable money do they have? Because uh, Greg Cohen promotions won the fight for two hundred thousand dollars. So you'd think even on the top ranks low in they would be able to afford that fight. So just uh, very, I mean, very so yeah, in the spirit of moving on,
0: I do not have anything more to say about this. Do you have any any last words? I mean, I just think it's funny that so de Murata beat Hassan and Dom for this title, who he lost to the first time. Yeah, it took two tries. And then, uh, so for the stupid WBA regular title, now Hassan and Dom is going to fight Chris Eubank Jr. Or at least that's the rumor. I mean, it's like this bizarre minor league level of boxing of, like, guys who have names but are actually just a step below being uh, in that actual conversation of, like, best in their divisions. Anyway, we can, um, uh, you know, these are essentially, basically, to put, put this, a, a little bow on this one, is basically, like, we just had a conversation about the IBO world title scene.
1: <laughs> uh, what about the IBA that uh, Sergey Kovalev fought for uh, that is now around the belt of uh, Alvarez. I had never heard of that belt prior to that night. That's had you ever heard of the IDA? I'd never
0: heard of that. Uh, should we talk about how this little Twitter beef that Sergio Martinez is having with Julio Cesar Chavez Jr.? And that there's a rumor, although... Those who oh, would I know can't wait, I don't know have, anything about this. So, those who have would Do tell who would know have said that this is not happening. But essentially, Sergio Martinez is going to begin training for a comeback to fight Chavez oh, Jr. No, <laughs> Now, guys like Rayfield have said nothing's happening here. But, um, hypothetically, if Sergio Martinez came back, could he beat Chavez Jr.?
1: No. Not gonna his, be a popular answer. His leg might fall off if he tries to step into a boxing ring again. Mm, fair enough. Um Yeah, I mean he's just not fit to fight anymore. I mean, there's no I mean uh it's unlikely that he will have found some, you know, special reconstructive surgery that was not, you know, available or successful to him in the past. I mean, yeah, I just his body simply can't do it anymore. <laughs>
0: Um, I, I, yeah, I, I. you don't think that they've both like declined to like a, a reasonable level. Like Chavez Jr.'s always had really poor work ethic, but now with, uh, you know, all of the, um, I guess partying that he's done that maybe certain organs wouldn't be working the way they used to work.
1: <laughs> I mean... <laughs> i'll just i'll answer this way i i i'm catching up on old episodes of the pritchard podcast something to wrestle with and i was at i was listening to the uh episode on beyond the mat so i went back and watched beyond the mat and there was a I've whole thing on oh you haven't no uh, it's worth a watch uh terry funk uh terry funk old professional wrestler just has no mobility left whatsoever. I mean, that that's one of the subplots is that he's going through a retirement, which ended up only lasting four months, but the, what his subplot in the documentary climax is with a retirement show. And they, they keep just showing shots. Like doctors have told him like, you can't wrestle anymore. You can barely move your leg. They keep showing shots in the documentary of him hobbling around at one point. He nearly like, <laughs> he like steps in like a pothole and almost falls over. He's just, I mean, at a certain point, your body just can't do it anymore. I mean, I, Tell that to Roy Jones. Anyway, that's as much as I have to say about this. Well, eh. Roy Jones does not have the, the level of, uh,
0: <laughs> you know. Athleticism as, of a Terry as Funk? Washed you're as washed as he say? is.
1: <laughs> as washed as he is, he does not have the mobility problems that Sergio Martinez has. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I am totally ready to
0: move on. <clears throat> okay, so here's something that that I want to run by you. Um. They're, they've announced tomorrow that the Canelo versus Golovkin closed circuit seats will go on sale. Now, in general, Las Vegas has been dealing with much lower revenue than last year, and certainly that they anticipated. Now, there are two reasons for this, which are understandable. They are... Um, you know, you can... It makes sense. One... There was a shooting, so you know maybe interest in going to Vegas isn't as high as it could you, could have been, but the other and thing that
1: has nothing to do with this
0: the other thing, and I think the bigger thing is that there was no Mayweather fight. It's been almost twelve months since Mayweather's fought, and there's only been one premium fight in Las Vegas since then, and yes, I am discounting a lot of UFC cards. Because I've seen what they bring in, and it ain't close. The only fight that that we've had since then is the Canelo-Golovkin fight. And with only one of those fights, Vegas has not done so well. And now here's something to consider. And and my, my overarching point here is that Canelo and Golovkin isn't doing well. When Vegas has big fights, room rates go up. It's natural supply and demand. Well... If you look at the room rates for the weekend of Canelo Golovkin, you look the week before, you look the week after, maybe you want to, you, you think, oh, well, maybe it's just that time of the year. Well, look at the week before, during, and after Conor McGregor's fight back in Vegas. And that's certainly a big deal. They're all the same, it's all the same. That's that's That that does that never happened when Floyd Mayweather or Manny Pacquiao fought in Las Vegas. Look at the seats available. There's still four seats available for the Canelo Golovkin fight. The floor seats that these big fights rely on to do huge gates. Look at the cheap seats. Still tickets available. Which you can get at Kayak.com. Sponsored... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... There's still a ton of tickets available, so this fight isn't doing that well, and I think it's worth us talking about why is this fight not doing so well. Why? Why? Why are the room rates not going up? What? What's your take?
1: Yeah, I, I mean it's. Uh... <laughs> I would be a little bit more tempered in what I'm saying. I mean, I, I, I think it's it's off from the first fight. I don't think it's doing horribly. I mean, at least from what I've seen looking at the tickets. I'm just on Ticketmaster right now, and I was looking at StubHub. I mean, it's off the first fight, but I don't think it's a disaster. I mean, there are obvious reasons. Canelo's not promoting the fight. You had the huge buzz kill oh, after. I wonder
0: why. You, know, you may have the, the gotten a boarded... taste of why he's not doing that on the daily podcast on Patreon.com. Go on, Tom.
1: <laughs> but yeah, you know, it was like the... Um, Canelo's not promoting the fight. Lost a huge amount of buzz after the first one fell through. I think the promotion's gotten a little stale because they've you know, essentially been promoting it for an entire year now. Um, uh, you know, Golovkin's just getting older. This is a thing we've talked about before that a lot of his fans have, have sloughed off after his knockout streak stopped. Uh, Canelo, uh, Mexican fans, we've seen a huge amount of negativity coming out of uh, Spanish-language social media uh, about the failed drug test. So, yeah, I mean, there's just, there's a lot of shine off the fight. And they're not promoting it as much. So I think it's not really surprising that it's, it's trending off of what the first fight was. I, I'll, I'll be honest. I think I would said before, my honest expectation was I expected it would do similar numbers. I was
0: um, with just you. Just
1: because, you know, you have a full year of buildup, which I thought would work in its favor because you have more time to build up demand. That that would be better than doing it simply six months later. Uh, you have the whole rivalry storyline of, you know, the the animosity between the camps but you know i had thought this was like uh it was uh, a work that they were just pretending to be mad at each other but you know canelo is just not promoting the fight now and clearly this is having an impact but yeah again i i just definitely hesitate to call it uh, a failure i mean it's going to be by far the biggest uh, dollar amount fight in uh 2018 i mean it's going to be much bigger I don't than not fights this year
0: Oh, uh, you really think it's off that much? I I think that the demand for a UFC fight is going to be high. I really think, like, you have Conor McGregor oh, who oh, is sharing who uh, shared yeah, the spotlight McGregor with Floyd Mayweather.
1: Might, might do more. It might. I don't think so. Month. Yeah. I, I, I was talking about just boxing. Yeah, I, I oh, guess for that's... Oh, boxing, sure. I like, mean, yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, I don't the know. Anthony it's, Joshua fights definitely aren't going to rival it, But which, by the tough. way, Joshua has been... Uh, his Pavetkin fight. The tickets have been moving surprisingly slowly uh, as well. But, um, yeah, I, anyway, I don't really have a, a good... I, I don't know enough about McGregor's number to really answer that. Anyway, continue.
0: Well, I mean, he was one half of, perhaps, or the biggest boxing event, or one of the biggest boxing events ever. I think... Um, I think McGregor's fight is probably going to do a bigger number. And I'm saying this as you know somebody who is clearly on the side of boxing when the line is divided between combat sports fans, um, somebody who's got no real, like, I just, I don't care for Conor McGregor. But I, I, I just got this feeling that the demand is there. The UFC and the fans of the UFC have not had much in the past year. And coming off of a card that saw um, uh, Miacic fight, um, what's his name? Uh, I
1: definitely don't know. uh,
0: Cormier. So these two guys, you know, they fought for the heavyweight title. And it it was essentially like Ushik moving up to heavyweight. To fight, you know, whoever the champion is, right? Because Cormier moved up in weight to fight. And he knocked out the champion. And that fight didn't come with a ton of fanfare. Didn't do a big number. But it got everyone talking. And while we've had pay-per-view events for the UFC since then, I think the itch is there for people who are willing to go and spend money on the UFC again. You know, I think people were kind of like, well, McGregor's gone and Rousey's gone and John Jones is gone. They're like they just weren't interested anymore. Like there was nothing worth it. Nothing got them going. Um and then this fight gets signed. And I think this is what has them say, Okay, I'm ready to pay my money again. Not to mention UFC signed a deal with Fox, which will which will begin in twenty nineteen. Um, I, I, or sorry, ESPN, not Fox. Um, they're leaving Fox. And, um, I'm, I'm, so it was interesting. I, I haven't been listening or watching first take, but I did today. And I heard this real just jabroni opinion from Max Kellerman about how golf is now in competition to take the fourth most popular sport spot in America. Behind football, basketball, and baseball, and who wow. they're battling, who they're battling is the UFC. And while he, there may be a, a shred of truth there, um, maybe not. Certainly, as far as money generated, that's not the UFC. They're not in that spot now. Golf does do a ton of money, and their numbers have been pretty good this year, which is tied into the resurgence of Tiger Woods. But the UFC is coming to ESPN. And I'm pretty sure that first take is not like we do it here, where we got some topics, and this is all off the top of the dome. Like those takes that they have are calculated, they're planned. I I find it hard to believe that Stephen A. Smith can talk without saying um and uh, you know the way we do okay so like that was planned and especially a guy like max who i believe would have said boxing max knows what's up although if you listen to the kovalev um and Alvarez broadcast you might question that statement but um do you, I, I just think the push that the ufc is going to get for a mcgregor fight will maybe it doesn't beat Canelo versus Golovkin, because at the end of the day, boxing charges more. Although actually, I think, I can't remember for sure where I read this, so take this with a grain of salt, but I do think they're pricing tickets very similarly to boxing tickets. Uh, floor seats for Canelo-Golovkin are 5,000, and I think McGregor's uh, floor seats are going to be close. So that's a lot of talking to say that, um, you know, there's some, something's up, and you you brought up some good points about why this fight might not be as entertaining or interesting to fans as maybe it was 12 months ago. Certainly six months ago when, you know, Glove or Alvarez Canelo hadn't tested dirty. So I guess we can move on. It looks like Tom doesn't have anything to say. Tom's yeah, both fights. very quick response.
1: Care. very, very quick. Cause I, I, I really was not expecting we were going to touch on the McGregor thing. I mean, I just, from my perception of just general popular culture and, like, the world, I have really perceived that he has fallen off. I mean, I used to hear so just so much buzz about McGregor from casual sports fans. And, yeah, I get, you know, there's an argument about uh, Mayweather-McGregor being this giant global event, but for my From my perception, the cold of personality around him has gone away. You know, I get there could be it's the same argument why I think both of us thought Canelo Golovkin was going to be bigger than the first fight. You have more pent up demand. The first fight was big and it was a huge event for both of them. Um, But yeah, I just I haven't seen it. I mean, the buzz around McGregor used to be so crazy that you would have people who would you know you'd hear just crazy fantasy matchups about him. You know, it was like people would be like, Oh, McGregor versus Muhammad Ali, McGregor versus Bruce Lee. i mean, just idiotic things that don't even mean anything. Uh, people who would talk about, you know, um, this <laughs> magic power is just say things and make them happen. You know, people who like, um, you know, the secret, you know, would talk about McGregor being this mythical figure. And for my perception, that completely went away when, uh, mayweather literally beat the snot out of him i mean you know there's that great highlight where he slugged him in the face and just the the wad of snot threw through the air uh but yeah I, I have nothing more to say about that we can definitely move on
0: okay um before we get into the fights we're have one last topic um so terence Crawford's is gonna fight jose benavidez jr i'm like 98 percent sure this is gonna happen And then I'm 90% sure that Spence and Mikey is a done deal for a pay-per-view event. Crawford fighting Benavides, Spence fighting Mikey. Who has the tougher fight?
1: Uh, That's an interesting question. (laughs) There there wasn't a a lot of stuff
0: to talk about this week, so I said, you know, we should should come up with some just regular old discussion. Like if you and me were hanging out, and I would never hang out with you, Tom, because I can't afford the places (laughs) that you go to. Um,
1: <laughs> I will definitely put you up if you ever want to fly out for an MSG or Barclays show. By the way, but um, yeah, the whole trip will be on me.
0: But. Dude, you're you're in Connecticut. Like, what are we gonna do? We just play in your yard?
1: No, I'm moving to to Westchester County. That's in New York. Uh, no. Oh hang out yeah, that's part.
0: right. So I have a friend who lives in Connecticut. You may know him, or actually, you may not actually. Um, and I, and I, so, podcast host. Yeah, so I, I message him like, "Hey." Yeah, I, we
1: we I've met him, but yeah, I wouldn't say that we really know each other that well.
0: Okay, well, I I when you told me you're moving, I was like, I, I hit him up and I'm like, "What is this place?" And tell me about it. Is Tom moving to a nice place or a, a bad place? And he said, uh, "It's a pretty nice place." Um, And then we'll leave it at that because I don't want to have anybody dox you. <laughs> sure, thanks, Jason. So you're just gonna you're just gonna reveal my, my source. <laughs> it's a secret to no
1: one who listens to the podcast but yeah anyway uh so anyway you know listeners.
0: assuming we were just like hanging out this would be something we would talk about like who's got sure sure
1: so yeah we get back on the topic Crocker. yeah it's it's it's, a, it's an interesting topic i mean i i have uh you know i'm a big spence fan and mikey fan and there are reasons that i'm interested in the fight but i view it as being a yeah clearly favoring spence i yeah i would say it's uh i i would definitely say he has a harder time in the fight uh, and I say that for a few reasons. I think uh, Crawford and Benavidez is just an easy knockout one for Crawford. Uh, Benavidez has shown absolutely nothing that shows he can make it out of the middle rounds in that fight. The Garcia-Spence fight I think is interesting because you have like an embarrassment factor. Um, you know, even uh, Brook against Golovkin, en route to getting his face broken, he was able to kind of embarrass Golovkin a little bit. He was able to get his hometown fans excited. Tom was himself but, as a you know, Brit. His home country fans. So, yeah, I mean, he got something out of that. Um, And I think with Spence, it becomes – it's kind of, you know, again, similar to that fight. It's sort of a countdown to see how soon can he knock him out. So if it starts to slip into round three, round four, round five, round six, every round it kind of just looks worse for Spence's reputation. I mean, you know, it's it's a thing of, uh, I think Garcia actually is good enough to give Spence some trouble. I mean, I think it's a real fight in that sense. Uh, but not enough to win or really credibly last the long distance. I mean, you know, that's a whole other thing. But I don't know, do you have have a take on that? I mean, so yeah, my my final answer is uh, bigger challenge for Spence just because of the embarrassment factor.
0: Yeah, so when I first thought about this, I was in your camp. That is clearly Crawford because who's Jose Benavides and what has he done other than nothing? And then I started to think about Spence versus Garcia and how that would play out. And, you know, I I basically came down to two conclusions. And obviously, I may be wrong about this. But essentially, my two conclusions were Spence actually has a little bit of trouble. And the only way I see that Garcia could trouble Spence is he has to move. Because we've seen what bigger, stronger guys then certainly than, than Garcia, guys who are actually in better shape than Garcia, they stand there and they try to trade with Spence and they get put away. So that is not a viable option in a fight against Errol Spence unless you have a size advantage on him, which Garcia won't have. So the other option is going to be he has to move for 12 rounds. And if he does that, then maybe he lands you know some punches here or there. But I think the activity that Spence will throw at him because he'll be able to throw at him because he won't be on the back foot, will ultimately he'll win the fight, no matter whether it's stoppage or not. But what happens if it doesn't go that way? Like, what happens if it doesn't go exactly to Mikey's plan? What is the option? Or what is the result? And as much as I'm a fan of Mikey Garcia, the much, as much as I want to see him do well, I just can't see him taking shots from Spence. Like, I think if he gets caught and has to exchange with Spence, he'll get put down. And while he may not be knocked down in the first round, I could see this easily being a, a, a stoppage in the first couple of rounds. And like, look, close your eyes and just think about this. If I told you, oh yeah, we have this big, strong, like bigger than all the other welterweights, like he's huge. And he's super strong. He knocks everybody out. And he's the kind of guy that even when you throw, he's always going to hit you back. That guy's going to fight a guy who is a lightweight. His last fight was at lightweight. When he moved up to 140, he had one fight at 140. He got hit and his face got torn up a little bit. But he fights mostly at 130. Or 135, sorry. He fights mostly at 135. Isn't the the strongest guy there? He's got some punching power. um, Not shredded out or anything. He's going to go up and fight at 147. How do you think this is going to play out? You'll be like, well, that guy's going to get knocked out. Like, if you take the equivalent... Welterweight of like, say, we say Keith Thurman. And we're like, well, Keith Thurman's gonna go fight Golovkin. How, how's that gonna go? You wouldn't say, oh, Keith Thurman has a good shot at beating beating <laughs> Golovkin. Keith Thurman has a shot at beating Jamal Charlo. <laughs> like, come on. So I I I think the, the then we have to think about Jose Benavides. Can he be tougher for for Crawford. Do we
1: though? Just <laughs> even warrant discussion. Well,
0: here's where I'm going to here's where I'm ultimately going to go. Is Crawford so much better than Benavides that even if Mikey showed up and was a complete Jabroni in the ring with Spence and Spence just got rid of him quickly, is Benavides even worse than that? I think yeah, he is. So I'll pick Crawford's got or Spence has got the tougher fight. And your embarrassment factor was actually a a good argument that I didn't think about, but I'll give you some credit for that one. So we can move on. We'll talk about this Carl Frampton card, although um, there's not much to talk about. Carl Frampton's fighting Luke Jackson for an interim WBO featherweight title, which is like, okay, uh, an interim title. Where did this come from?
1: There are a few interesting things here, I think.
0: Uh, none really. And like, this is interesting in the, like the Murata discussion. Interesting. Um, I mean, what is Tyson Fury going to lose to Francisco Pianetta? That would be the most interesting thing that could happen. I mean, well, it, uh,
1: uh, <laughs> well, okay. I'm just going to jump in. Wilder has said he's going to be in the ring. So, yeah, that'll be huge news. I mean, that'll be by far the biggest story in boxing if the, you know, Wilder's in the ring and the fight actually gets signed. Yeah, that'll be gigantic.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure the fight's signed. But just, I mean, it's going to happen. Fury's going to beat Pianetta. How do I know this? Because Kevin Johnson stopped Pianetta last year. <laughs> like, if you get stopped by Kevin Johnson, like, Kevin Johnson doesn't even stop his heavy bag. Like, Johnson doesn't throw punches in fights. So the fact that he got stopped by Kevin Johnson is just bizarre. Okay, like Kevin Johnson is the guy that lost to Andy Ruiz Jr. and lost every single round. I, I don't understand how you lose to Kevin Johnson. I've seen Kevin Johnson fight. I mean, t- Kevin Johnson got beat by Derek Chisora in one of the worst fights I've ever seen. <laughs> so, um, the you know, I-, I think the only interesting thing. Um, I-, I just I was kind of messing with you when we- when we started this. And I was like, oh, yeah, you, um, you're ready to see Luke Jackson beat Carl Frampton? And you were like, you said something like, you don't really believe that or something like that. And it's yeah. true. I don't believe that. But most people, I think, don't pick guys if they don't recognize them. So, like, you know, Luke Jackson could very well go and beat Carl Frampton. But unless you've ever seen yeah, Carl or not. Luke Jackson fight. <laughs> You won't pick him, and he could beat Carl Frampton. I mean, I don't think he's, he's going to happen because I, I, I'm falling victim to that too. I've never seen him fight, so why would I pick him? I'm looking at his resume, just making sure. I <laughs> Yeah, actually I love, seen him by fight. the
1: way, that Boxrec has him as the number two Australian at featherweight. Little, I mean, Billy uh,
0: Dib number one. Oh no, it's actually not even Billy Dib. He just fought at 130. It's actually yeah, Nathaniel yeah. May. Oh yeah, the all-time great. Yeah, I remember Nathaniel May. Let me just
1: jump in on this for a second. I mean, look, Jackson isn't just unknown. Yeah, okay, he's undefeated, and you say, Oh, he's undefeated, you know. He he maybe he'll, you know, beat Floyd's record eventually. But you know, yeah, he he's one thirty, he's the number two Australian at featherweight. Very, very dubious honor. Uh we've seen his ceiling to some extent, just in that, you know, he's gone the distance and lost rounds to dismal fighters. You know, he he had a competitive fight. Uh, with a 14 three and one fighter two fights ago um we've seen him see his ceiling i mean i I, <laughs> I will call out which no one else in the boxing world does but i'll call out just his box rec points he's about 60 box rec point fighter um and that's about where he's plateaued just because again we've seen him going the distance with guys i
0: mean I this have more is box rec points
1: well yeah but i mean this is the type of guy that Uh, Ryan Garcia's fighting in his next fight. You know? I mean, this is like the type of guy that a prospect fights when you don't want to give a prospect too hard of a fight. I think the intrigue here is just that uh, Frampton should get a stoppage. Frampton hasn't gotten a stoppage in a while. You know, for all the amount that I've done shitting on uh, top ranks guys who have kind of plateaued. I mean, um, Frampton hasn't knocked anyone out since Chris Avalos. I mean, he really looks like he's reaching the end of his career even though he's only 31. So... Uh, this definitely should be a knockout for him. So I think it's interesting just in that sense. I think if you're a Frampton fan, this should be a showcase fight. But this will raise, you know, real alarm bells if he can't get a stoppage. Uh,
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm agreeing with you there. And that that's the reason why I had some doubts. Now, I'm going to pick Frampton. I'm a Frampton fan. I, um, But, you know, there's a part of me that knows the end of the line is near for Carl Frampton. And any fight could be it. Just like we saw with Shinsuke Yamanaka and um, Takashi Uchiyama, you know, guys like these Japanese fighters, you know, I brought them up because they're like the most obvious ones. Well, because they were protected for most of their career by fighting in Japan. Um, But those guys were very, very good for a long time. And then age caught up with them. And then they lost to guys who, you know, well, Yamanaka lost to a guy that looks like he's pretty good in Luis Neri, but Uchiyama lost to Jezreel Carellas, who's gone on to just basically lose to Alberto Machado, which is like the ultimate disrespect to Uchiyama. But um, Frampton's time is coming, and naturally he, he has lost. He, he lost to Leo Santa Cruz, but that was different because in that fight we saw the, the Frampton we've always seen in fights. He looked exactly the same, uh, just came up against a better guy. Well, now that's not necessarily the excuse that we would, uh, we would give if he lost to a guy like Luke Jackson. Um, you saw on the Donaire fight that this isn't exactly the same Carl Frampton that fought Leo Santa Cruz, so uh, that's on this card. Um, Patty Barnes will fight for a world title. Um, and, I, and I oh,
1: can I just jump in one more thing against Frampton? Sure. This is this is a little bit of inside baseball stuff, but I think people who listen to this podcast will find this interesting. So he's fighting uh, for the WBO belt, uh, interim WBO belt. Uh, 126. Carl Frampton holds the full belt. It's it's interesting. Just in uh, most people in America would associate the WBO belt with top rank. Most people in the UK would associate the WBO belt with Frank Warren. So this is an interesting intersection. Frampton is advised by Al Heyman of the PBC uh, side of things, but uh, Frampton is promoted by Frank Warren in the UK. Who's associated again with the WBO? So it's it's kind of an interesting thing that Frampton is getting in line here for the WBO, which could actually put him on a collision course with um, Scott um, Oscar Valdez.
0: So I was hoping you were going to say Scott Quigg. Scott Quigg yeah. would have been happy.
1: <laughs> Sorry, brain fart there. So kind of interesting because you know if uh, Frampton actually does fight. Uh, Oscar Valdez. I think that's actually kind of a... I mean, I would definitely look forward to that fight. I think it's actually fairly competitive as much as I've said uh, um, I think Frampton has fallen off enough. I don't think it's a given that he would uh, decisively beat Oscar Valdez. So that that becomes an interesting one to look forward to because you know Frampton also has very clear fights against all of the other top guys at 126 on the PBC side of things. So it is interesting that he's uh, fighting... In the WBO universe, again, UK guys would would say that makes sense because it's Frank Warren, but it's just uh, it's interesting because of uh, Oscar Valdez, where you'd think the PBC move would be to just ice him out, unless they just feel confident enough he's beatable. I mean, that would be really be quite a, key, uh, a coup if uh, Frampton ends up fighting and beating Oscar Valdez. Uh, the PBC universe would control all the belts at 126, and that would be really pretty humiliating for top rank. So just you know again it's kind of looking further down the road but that's another bit of intrigue for me at least in this fight
0: um, I have nothing else to add to this um, and then we have uh, Patty Barnes on the undercard uh, which I'm sure you're, looking, you're quite looking forward to um, again <laughs> what's your favorite Patty Barnes fight Ireland's top fe- uh,
1: flyweight Yeah, uh, I don't know it's interesting that he's 5-0 and with one knockout
0: fighting for a world title
1: I guess that's interesting
0: Uh, yeah. It's also interesting that he's like fighting at flyweight and he's like thirty four years old. (laughs) Essentially, or he's thirty one actually, but he's he's essentially the the Irish Zushi (laughs) Ming.
1: Yeah, I'm sure Showtime is not going to broadcast that one with good reason. Look, as we said, the real attraction this weekend is just to see what happens in the ring after the Tyson Fury victory like that that's the intrigue is just seeing if the Wild, wilder does get in there and what kind of fuckery happens you know we've seen tyson fury sing aerosmith songs we've seen him drop a wwe promo and uh deontay wilder after all wilder's fight with spilka um yeah that's that's the real attraction of the weekend but yeah uh not bad as well to see frampton knock a guy out and again if he doesn't uh well you know that's pretty bad for frampton so again there is some intrigue there
0: and on that night, we'll see Bryant Jennings fight Alexander Dimitrenko <laughs> on ESPN with Jesse Hart versus Mike Gavronski for the NABF Super Middleweight title. And uh, if, if this, this card could be redeemed, and I don't think it can, and I'm not sure that this does, Shakur Stevenson will be fighting Carlos Ruiz. Um, which one are you dying to talk about?
1: I mean this this card is just fascinating. Um I just I'm dumbfounded. You know? I, I mean Top Rank continues to dangle Bryant Jennings to try to get a Joseph Parker fight. That that's that's their game. They have part of a promotional stake in joseph parker although he's seen absolutely no need <laughs> for top rank services you know he's been making more money fighting in the uk they keep trying to develop brian jennings fighting to try to uh, get lure joseph parker to actually fight in the u.s on one of their cards i just god i mean i'm so unimpressed with every part of this i mean jesse hart to me you know, they've tried to prop him up to try to prop up Zerto's resume, and they're trying to build a demand for a Zerto rematch. I don't give a shit about that, if that ever happens. I mean, I really don't care where Jesse Hart's career is going. Uh, Shakur Stevenson, okay, it's a development fight. I mean, I can't really fault that. I mean, I've said I'm kind of weak on Shakur Stevenson, but, you know, this is the type of fight you expect him to fight at this stage of his career. Um, Yeah, I mean, I just expect an absolutely dismal showing. It's crazy it's on espn but you know it's it's weird the world we live in where you know the pbc's lower level fights are broadcast on fox and on top rank their lower level fights are broadcast on espn instead of espn plus so i don't know the the only thing i'm interested to see about this is what the ratings end up being because uh espn just extended their deal with top rank although they're um espn broadcast ratings have really been dropping um i'm sure that entirely has to do with uh, the espn plus subscribers they've been getting but um hasn't looked like the top rank product has actually been delivering that well so you know we'll see then again this card can't cost too much money so um yeah absolutely nothing more to say about
0: this i mean i disagree with that point that top rank isn't doing well if it wasn't they wouldn't have renewed the deal so clearly well, I think that's ESPN entirely related value. to ESPN plus yeah no that's what i'm saying the, the The ESPN plus deal has been good for ESPN because if it wasn't, they wouldn't have renewed it, but also the renewal of that deal comes with more ESPN dates, which and I mean cable ESPN, so I think that that means that it's doing well enough that top rank, or sorry, not top rank, but ESPN sees that we need more of this or we want more of this.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, the big caveat is how much they're actually paying for it, which we still don't know, you know. Uh, but anyway, that's I, again, I really don't have more to say about this.
0: Well, that will wrap it up for this week. Now, you <laughs> could become a subscriber of uh, the Patreon exclusive podcast at patreon.com sundaypuncher Sunday Puncher. You could leave us a review on Facebook. Can you leave reviews on Facebook? I don't know uh certainly yes
1: you can actually although it's more meant to be like it's (laughs) the way it's set up it's more like meant to be like reviews for like delis (laughs) than like reviews for like boxing content so uh, but yes you can uh, leave reviews we're a perfect uh five out of five average right now so
0: don't mess it up you don't want to be like nobody ever wants to be that person who just has to be different so don't do that five-star reviews all around but certainly leave reviews on itunes um google play i think you can do that um also you can talk to us in uh how do oh sun twitter sunday puncher sunday underscore puncher hit us up on twitter um tom you got anything else to say
1: no just we tried this week <laughs> <laughs> this was a slow weekend we did our best uh but yeah fun to be fun to be back on is always happy always happy to be a guest on the podcast
0: uh, someone said that they left the review for us on yelp i don't believe them but uh whatever yeah they're just being dumbasses wow you're just gonna call out some a listener Tom. i did
1: not say that grammatically correctly yes but whoever said that is just being a dumbass all right I think that's all I have to say. Oh, yeah. Just be sure to check out uh,
0: oh, also you should <laughs> Dan Raphael's
1: those... comments oh, uh, about the Golden Boy show on Saturday night. That was by far the most uh, entertaining development in boxing over the weekend was uh, to see Dan Raphael go all in shitting over Golden Boy.
0: It, the, so, like, all in is, is potentially a big pay-per-view. What Dan Raphael did was throw a tantrum. And if you like to hear a child throw a tantrum on Twitter, that's what you should look at.
1: Well, I mean, he went full shill for ESPN+, Plus, complaining about the stream quality and saying, you know, ESPN, called out ESPN by name as a service that has better streaming quality.
0: I hope he holds days into the same standard, because I've heard that their streaming quality is pretty poor, but, well, we shall see. <laughs> They're not going to get enough
1: demand to trouble their uh, bandwidth, that's my prediction. Anyway, yeah, I am totally done. Peace out, guys.
0: Oh great, Tom. We we definitely wanted that specialized personal uh exit from you. We were just gonna let the music ride us out. We just rock Coachella, I gave a half of the check. It
1: was good, <laughs> sex out of Mitchell to the net.